Oh my goodness! Hello, hi Jen. Hello, hi Lillian Bustle. Hi, do you want to do a podcast with me? I would fucking love to do a podcast Mm. with you. What should it be about? It's crazy. I didn't know, but I just have all of these fucks. They're just laying around everywhere. I got closets full of fucks. I got I I got storage units full of fucks. Piles and piles full of fucks. I'm a fucks hoarder. (laughs) (laughs) that's the new name (laughs) that's the new name and every episode title is blank hoarder (laughs) oh where to begin (laughs) hey hey guess what what i saw broadway play Holy ever loving fuck! Yeah, you I did. Tell me all about on Broadway. it. Oh my on God. the Broadway okay. stage, which is also a very good uh, liaison. Nope. Uh, segue. A seg. Sure. It's a good seg. It's a good seg. <laughs> um. So shout out to our friend Marty J Cooney, who. <laughs> Every time I see her, she's like, I would listen to your podcast, but I don't want to, is basically what she's Fair. I don't even think I turn. I ever listened to a podcast ever until like 2016. I was very, very, very oh, same. far behind the curve. Same, same, same. Mm. Same. Um, but I was like, it's okay if you just don't say anything. Like, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> this could be an inside thought. <laughs> this could be an inside thought. Um, however, uh, she's, I call her my New York mom. Um, she played my mom in the first show that I did when I moved up to New York and has been there for me a million different ways. She moved out to California. She's back in town. She got tickets for me and her friend to see and her to see Hades town. And it was so beautiful. And when, uh, um, so normally, like, normally in theater, for people who don't know, if it's Broadway and it's a big name or someone who's, like, won an award or something, sometimes when people walk on the stage, everybody will clap and you have to hold for it for a second. It's not my favorite tradition. Like a guest star on an 80s sitcom. Yes. Yes. <laughs> precisely. Like when Tom Hanks was the weird drunk uncle on Family Ties. Um, so... Uh, hey, however, what happened? What, what happened? <laughs> Wait, what was his other one? Not this time. <laughs> no, I don't think so. That's and what it I was. got a wheel wet wagon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Willard. Fred Willard. Um, yeah, so okay, but I understand it because there are some people for whom you can't help yourself. Like when I saw Alan Rickman on stage and he walked on stage, I literally went, Whoa! Like, oh, <laughs> like yes. I made a noise out loud and my hands did this whether I was. So, so anyway, like some people feel like it's a little bit like clapping when an airplane lands, but it's theater and everybody's there to share this experience. However, so it would be natural that everybody would go batshit if just Andre DeShields walked on stage. He is the older guy who plays her. Hermes in Town. He's essentially the narrator. And he, he has a long and storied life of being a performer and has only just recently in the last couple of years won a Tony for Town. So I was excited enough just to see him. Um, but the whole, like, most of the cast comes on at the same time. I'm getting goosebumps. Literally, literally goosebumps. Ooh, like, see, my skin I looks so em. gross right now. Um <laughs> 
when when uh there was a there was like a five minute warning. Oh, first of all, I just want to talk a little bit about like the process because in New York, um, everybody's getting their vaccination cards checked. And what that means, it's, I mean, you have to show things, but it's kind of on an honor system, right? Like people are out there Mm -hmm. getting fake vaccination cards, but you do have to stand in another line. um, And Marty doesn't walk really well. So thankfully, uh, a lovely security guard lady came and scooped us up and she was like, oh, ma'am, you stand right there. I'm coming to you. I'm going to take you in the secret way. Uh, (laughs) And it turned out. It turned out that, like, um, a very handsome police officer watched us getting out of a taxi, and and he went and got her for us so that she could bring us in the other way and that Marty wouldn't have to walk all the way around. So that was, like, also almost crying just thinking about that. Um, Mm. And, uh, yeah, so you had to show all your stuff. Serve and protect, bitch! Yes. Um, (laughs) It's... I think that everything started about 15 minutes after 8 instead of it's Broadway houses usually hold until 8:10. Um so this took a little bit longer. I I had forgotten how ridiculous the lines for the ladies room are. <laughs> Especially oh, in history. It no! was at the Lunt, it was at the Lunt Fontaine, which by the way I realized is the theater that was right next to that Harlequin Studios that was the, such the horror show that I told you yes, about. I was standing outside yes. of it and I was like I used to hang out in front of here. Why did I hang out? Oh. I, <laughs> um so blah blah blah. Everybody went nuts. Like the, there was a five-minute warning that was basically like, for real, don't take your masks off. For real, we know that you've forgotten how to do this, but, like, turn off your fucking phones, ding-dongs. But in, like, the most lovely, lovely announcer lady way, <laughs> somebody came over uh-huh. the loudspeaker, probably the stage manager. And, um, yeah, the lights the lights went down, and the musicians came out, and there's start, you know, people were like, uh-huh, hey, and then the cast came out. And people didn't stand up at the beginning, but... The like, the the cheering and the joy, and being in the audience and creating that, and also watching everybody on stage, just like their hearts blossoming open and just accepting all of it, was why I ever did theater in the first place. And I'm crying thinking about it right now. And the show is beautiful, and the show is very sad, um, but it. Oh fuck! It was so good. It it made me so happy that I don't even know if it was good. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, right. It was such an emotional experience that it did. It does not even matter if you were basically watching fucking one fish, two fish happen on right. On the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's Spider-Man, beautiful. Turn performers. off the dark. <laughs> Shit. Oh my god. Actually, actually the boy who played Orpheus apparently was one of the original Spider-Mens, which is okay. Amazing. Hey, 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 speaking of Turn Off the Dark, I think that was I think that was playing when we were at Lush and I feel like you and I would come to work every day with like new fresh hell that yes. had happened on the set that was buzzing around everyone because we were oh, all yes. obsessed with what a fucking action park of a musical it was. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. 
Poor Julie Taymor. I got getting high on her own oh, supply. Oh, but I okay. All right. What? Yes, and and mm-hmm. okay. So I haven't had the chance to really talk about this. Ooh. How closely do I remember? Oh, I remember it unfortunately very well. So, um, when I went to Sundance at the very beginning of 2020, one mm-hmm. of the things that I regret the least in my life. <laughs> in high, I didn't regret it in the moment, but in hindsight, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I did this. When I went to Sundance, I went to a panel because Julie Taymor had just directed uh, a biographical film. I don't I can't remember if it was a documentary or if it was narrative about Gloria Steinem. And oh, that interesting. Yeah, it was premiering at. Uh, it was premiering at Sundance and there was a panel that was specifically about female filmmakers and Mm -hmm. she was one of the panelists. Carrie Washington was a panelist. I believe she was. I know this story. Yes. Mm -hmm. She was premiering Little Fires Everywhere, I think. Mm. God damn, Uh, that was so good. There was an indigenous a filmmaker who was the last woman oh it was frankie shaw it was frankie shaw who is white but who is younger and is also just like stumbling but trying really hard mm-hmm. and uh and and i believe the moderator may also have been a black woman or uh, I believe the moderator may have also been a black woman. And they're all talking about their respective journeys and um, and obstacles. And not know, Julie Taymor has been in the game for a very long time. And so the stuff that she faced in like the <laughs> 80s and 90s was of a different ilk than it has been for these younger women. However, that does not supersede what it's like to be a black or indigenous <laughs> filmmaker. God, it just fucking real. doesn't. Yeah. And I hoped to God, especially after Carrie Washington, oh my God, who was just, mm, she was so, she was so polite. <laughs> and it broke, it broke the hearts of like everybody who was there because she was, tr- like you could see how she, you could see how heartbroken she was because she's talking about like, you know, there were no Ava DuVernay's. There mm-hmm. were no Shonda Rhimes. There there was just me, uh, you know, a, a black girl growing up dreaming of being a director. And mm-hmm. I had no one to look to. So I looked to women like Julie Taymor because even for white women, there wasn't a lot out there. And right. so she's talking about how Julie Taymor, especially in terms of The Lion King, you know, taking this sure. African piece, like, she's talking about how Julie Taymor was her her role model. And mm-hmm. then Julie Taymor at, like, the question of race, as Kerry Washington is, like, Acknowledging that it was an earlier time, however, whiteness was a tool for Julie. Julie starts 
basically talking about you don't know what it was like to be a woman in this in in India where she spent a a, a good amount of time working on like puppetry and theater and she was like it was so hard as a white person in India and we're all like ah! <laughs> oh, uh huh and then she's like I mean you know, again not no but why is this <laughs> What's yeah, we do, right we look, now? we all get it, Julie. You don't have to you don't have to dig in. And then I believe she maybe even pulled out something to the extent of black, white, purple. And we were no, all like, "Oh, absolutely no, not." No, no. Now the good How thing was so many people missing the memo that we don't do that. Like, it doesn't matter to me if you're plaid. Stop it. Stop it. It's so dismissive, but it's also something that comes with feeling like your struggle is not acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And that's so problematic because, look, no one's denying it still sucks oh, to terrible. navigate the world as a woman, even with white privilege. No one's saying no. <laughs> Right. No one's However, disagreeing. However, you add on marginalizations, especially being black in this fucking country. Right. And, and it's incomparable. Right. Like, it can suck for all of us, but you can't say, mine sucks more. Mm-hmm. No, you don't get mm-hmm. to do that. So You remember when uh, Bette Midler uh, was, I, I think it was Yoko Ono. The Yoko the Ono. Mm-hmm. Women are the N-word. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just. And like how much that statement alone (laughs) erases black women who I can only imagine are like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know that there are black women, right? (laughs) Like, it's not either or. It's not like white women or black men. It's madness. Not no. Not (laughs) unbelievable what people feel they have to reiterate. Could have been an inside. It could have been an inside thought. It really. I mean, it was. And I think the only saving grace, first of all, was how much. Then Frankie Shaw took up a little more responsibility in the conversation, even as a young woman. And even in the presence of Julie Taymor, Frankie took up like, Yes, but we have to blah, blah, blah. Frankie mm. did a really good job. Um, I'm looking at this person right now. Frankie Shaw, she did, uh, her show is Smilf on Showtime. Oh, I have heard good things about that. Rosie O'Donnell plays her mom and she's spectacular. Smilf is really beautiful. I Cute. like Frankie and and I, I like Frankie because... She has made a couple stumbles as her own showrunner. Like, basically, she made this short film, Smilf, in mm, 2015, 16 or 15. something. 15. I'm, I'm looking at her IMDb right yes, now. Yes, thank you. She made this short film about being a, a young <coughs> single mother, I think, in, you know, like, blue-collar Boston. Mm-hmm. It went to somewhere, probably even Sundance, and then she got... A series order, basically. So she mm. had the opportunity to show, run, and create her own. I should. I don't know if she's the showrunner, but obvious. But to create her own show, mm-hmm. um, so she was young and new, and doing that, and she has made a couple of stumbles. Like there was an act, 
actress who um, who absolutely could have benefited from intimacy coordination who Oof. felt who felt exploited in a sex scene and you know Frank it's Frankie's responsibility and Frankie what really just did not try to sweep it under the rug unlike that motherfucking Lena Dunham who Ugh. who publicly backed this piece of shit who was sexually assaulting one of her I, I can't remember who it was uh, uh, if it was a woman who worked on the crew or the cast or gross or something uh, or a PA but like Frankie was like oh shit I am really sorry I am going to do better and I feel like I feel like we're all gonna fuck up Hopefully yep. we don't do so in such a pr- profound way. But when we do, the only important thing is to take responsibility and offer as much as much um, fixing as you yeah. can, moving forward in the right direction. And I felt like that was a really good move. I, I I felt it spoke to her character. So she took that role up in this panel. And the only other saving grace was that the entire audience was mostly young women of color who were like uh-huh. amped to be supporting Carrie Washington. And so you could feel uh-huh. the ire in the room <laughs> as we were all like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, my God. It was very disappointing. So um, all that to say... Uh, right. It was it was a lot of fun to in, indulge in Schadenfreude when <laughs> <laughs> Spider Man turn off the fucking dark was just plotting its way. Speaking of which, uh. speaking of which, speaking yes. of theater faux pas, yes, fuck buddies, Lillian and I have a very exciting heads up for you. We are starting a second podcast called Dreading the Boards. Mm. Forsooth. <laughs> Forsooth, I say. Exit by a bear. Um, <laughs> we, uh, the, these are going to be exclusively interview-based episodes where we talk to people from all walks of performance about the craziest things that have ever happened during a production, including film and TV. And uh, we're real excited about it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. So also, we're going to – it's going to be sort of like – I don't want to call them mini-sodes, but like we'll do live interviews with people, and also we are going to ask all of you to send in – like two minute stories about your terrible times, which could be a pitch. Um, we might be for able for an to interview. Take, yeah, we might be able to take mm-hmm. interviews from that. Um, uh, and thank you so much, Duncan Flaster, for the name oh. "Dreading the Boards." Uh, for those Chef's of you who kiss. might not be familiar, "Treading the Boards" is a is an ancient term, like back to the fifteen hundreds, um, referring to being an actor. And being playing your part upon the stage, and um, uh, after our after our um, naming this show all the fucks, we were like maybe shit shows isn't the greatest way to go <laughs> because we get censored all the time trying all to promote time. all the fucks, and it is 
fucking annoying. <laughs> I don't regret it for a moment, but no, I will not say at all. <laughs> it's appalling how it's it's appalling how ridiculous that is. Truly, truly. The number of underscores and periods that I have to use are ridiculous. (laughs) So we're not going to do that for dreading the boards. We're going to keep it a clean, a nice clean title. We'll still curse a bunch in the actual recordings. But (laughs) since so many of you come from uh, performing arts, this is coming up. We are so excited. We will continue all the fucks because that's going to be our playground uh, just for Lillian and I. But... Um, please, 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 we will make sure you have the information to send in your stories mm-hmm. as well as to pitch yourself for interviews because we can't wait to bring this to you. Oh my gosh. Go! It's going to be great. It's going to be so fucking great. Hey, by the way, huh? speaking of Hades Town and Andre yeah. DeShields, that reminds me. I'm so glad you got to see him because the one and only time that I have seen Andre DeShields on stage was when he was doing Dream on Monkey Mountain in Harlem. And that is where he said, come lean on my cock. And I burst out into child laughter. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was when you were so little. I was so little. (laughs) Come lean on my cock. You want to know how fucking little I was? I was so little that the goddamn toll to get over the GWB was six dollars oh wow I shit you not and I was like six dollars that's unconscionable (laughs) (laughs) you little backseat driver (laughs) I love that you're the one who's like worried about the toll I was I was what is our tax money doing (laughs) bupkis oh Oh, I also had, um, uh, oh, wait, hang on a second. Before we move away from Spider-Man, 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 turn off the dark. <laughs> Irving Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man, Irving Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Marty was trying to tell me about how she started watching What We Do in the Shadows, but as she called it, Things to Do in the Dark. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a nice spinoff. <laughs> What does uh, that girl's dad call my favorite murder? The F word murder show? Murder yes. fuck show? Yes, murder fuck show. The fuck word murder show. Yes, the fuck word. <laughs> <laughs> Things to do in the dark. Best. So good. <laughs> and then last night we went to go see Drunk Shakespeare, which is... Uh, a re a retelling of Hamlet, wherein they make one of the performers get very, very, very wasted, um, and then other things can happen, like little wrenches get thrown in, like they have to do challenges and stuff during the show. It was delightful. Oh you would really love that. God. Uh oh, oh, that's so funny. I have a neighbor whose daughter is the stage manager for Drunk Shakespeare. Oh. Well, bless her heart. That's There's a lot of so stage management. so funny. That so you loved it. Oh. oh yeah, I saw it for my birthday a couple years ago. But I was like, Marty's gonna, Marty's gonna love it. She's a huge Shakespeare fan. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's so great. Mm. Yeah, I have a really sweet neighbor whom I've only had the opportunity to get to know when we take our dogs out, and she's so fucking sweet. Uh, and she's like, oh, you're an actress. My daughter, she's a stage manager. 
uh, have you ever seen? And I'm like, I don't go see things. <laughs> yeah, you don't go see things. <laughs> I don't go see things. Um, but, oh, my God, my little heart. I've also heard that Waitress coming back with Sarah Bareilles is stupendous. Yes. Who did I just – Amy? No, I don't know. Somebody I know just saw it. I like that music. Yeah, no, it was Amy because we were talking about trios. Um, and there's a trio song in Waitress that she – my acapella quartet is down to three right now. Um, and there's some really beautiful three-part harmony for the fates in Hades Town. also. Like, like nice. whoa, so good. The music is so good. Uh, I don't know. I like Waitress. It's cute. It's cute. Show. I've never seen Waitress. I've never seen Hades Noun. Hades Noun. Hades Noun. Did you watch I, the Tonys? No. 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 But. But I have to say, I've never been a Tony's watcher. I don't like award shows. I used to watch the Tony's when I was unable to see actual theater. <laughs> that was when it was exciting mm. for me, when I lived in Florida and stuff. I feel like that is absolutely what gets um, what gets high school and, and college theater kids to watch them, is mm. the in-access, especially in other areas of the country, the in-access to Broadway. Um Sure. And so they get the cast albums and they learn all the songs and then uh-huh. <laughs> I just I don't know it's not um it's not something that I've ever followed along. I watched the Oscars for a few years when it was like a thing that my friend group did, mm. but I prefer to follow along on Twitter and watch the hot takes. That is what yes. I like doing. That's fair. That is fun. I got to see um, the t- the dress rehearsal for the Tonys one time because um, I had t- two friends, two friends from York High School who were working for the American Theater Wing <laughs> at the same Crazy. time. There's only like 10 people in that whole office and two oh, of them were absolutely. my buddies. Um, so that was really, Nepotism. really, really fun. Yeah, it was like oh, we were sitting. Well, it wasn't good seats. We were like all the way in the back of Radio City, but it was still really cool. You got some seats. Some seats. Some seats. That's a g- fucking Zuckerman's famous pig. That's what you should sing. Don has been wanting to do that song for a very long time. Are we going to do it in our barbershop quartet? We absolutely should. Uh, uh, I feel like there was one more theater thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh, just I got to sing. So lots of three-part harmony uh, in both those shows and... I did get to sing at a garden party um, with my friends Alina and Amy, who we have been singing together for like eight years. Which is so wild. It is crazy. I can't believe it's been that long. We've seen some shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing uh, you guys in the Fringe or whatever. Oh, yeah, the Midtown Festival. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. When we wrote our own murder mystery. <laughs> it was so cute. It was so cute. Hey, oh, I have to plug something. Plug By it. the way, uh, my beloved friend Lisa is such a great Virgo. She's just, she's the ultimate Virgo. She is a perfect planner. Everything is incredibly organized. The events, the way she, like, links people up and organizes like dinner parties and shit she's just she's spectacular at virgoing and every year for her birthday she organizes something super incredible and sometimes i can take part and sometimes i can't but this year 
was a belated celebration of her 30th. And so what she did was a murder mystery in a Zoom. And it was like, so I mean, I don't know. So cute. So cute. And so like you, I guess you purchase a digital pack that gives you special YouTube you know, password protected videos. Oh my God. Right? Along with the PDFs of all the characters and all the questions that you're supposed to ask each other and like the the response that you give if you are the murderer and the, spon- the response that you give if you're not. And she hosted this Zoom party that was uh, an 80s murder mystery. And I was like, how good could this be on Zoom? Uh, But it was... So great. That's so fun. Oh, my God. So I want to plug that if you or anyone needs something fun and social to do across distance or across pandemic, like it's a fucking musical chairs as to why we would need to not be in person. A digital murder mystery was a fucking blast and then you just like share your screen when you play the video and everybody gets the email pdf of who they are and what they're supposed to say and we all show up and people put up backgrounds and we dressed in character and it was really fun oh my god I have only played so so back in the 80s that used to come in a box it was called how to host a murder and I didn't realize until the mid-2000s when I started looking for them again, that they were out of print. Uh, the one that we played in high school with all of my theater dork friends, it was like a roaring 20s thing. And of course, it was elaborate. Um, but the one that I have in the basement that we have never even opened, which I got off of eBay probably 12 years ago, oh is a licensed Star Trek Next Generation <gasps> one. <gasps> Oh, my God. And I literally, it, I think that, like, at a certain point in our lives, it just got difficult to get six or eight people to commit to do any fucking thing. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. It's a lot. It's a lot to expect people to, like, <sighs> show up and be ready. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. There are people who do, like, there's people who get together every week for Dungeons and Dragons things. Yeah, but that's a very specific personality. No way. We know those specific personalities. I know. Oh, right. Right. True. Maybe they're spending all of their, like, nerd spoons on nerd spoons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's real. I have nerd spoons, too. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. I can't get nerdy about everything. I can barely get nerdy about one thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, hey, do you like barbershop and farming? I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you oh, felt fuck. you are from a different era. I really am. What the fuck? Although I'm glad to be here now because, I mean, I wouldn't be able to Google things. Like, by the way. <laughs> Good bless. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we were talking about the vow last oh. time, uh-huh, and I was uh-huh, like, uh-huh. blah, blah, watching this. I don't know. He seems so smart and gentle. And you're like, just wait. And now uh-huh. I'm on episode the vow is eight. The, the vow is the Nexium uh, yes. series. Expose. Right, right, right. It's on HBO Max. 
It's good. It's enraging. It's mm-hmm. fu- and I'm now at the point where this dude has shown his ass so fully. And I'm mm. like, so you, you mentioned, did you get to the part about the multi-level marketing scheme? Mm-hmm. What he was doing before he started a goddamn sex cult. And I was right. like, no. Well, I have now. And uh-huh. also, the fact that no one had Google at the time that this man was mm-hmm. starting his buffoonery. <laughs> That's, that is a big part of why he was able to, to, to scam everybody. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I barely had Google when I got scammed. Right. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and um, this is not a great story because now I can't remember the name of it, but I was watching, oh, I told you, I was watching um, the expose about that like Lonely Hearts scammer guy who married mm. like upwards of 12 women, mm-hmm. and they built, they actually did build a website. They built a website about this man listing all of his different names, and like if you Googled him, if you bothered to Google him, the website would come up. But these women just weren't. Dude, that's the first thing that I do with anything. Yeah. Like, if somebody, even if somebody's like, do you want to collaborate with me on a thing? I'm like, what's your Instagram? Like, Uh I need need your maiden name. (laughs) Absolutely. Last for your social. And a security deposit. Thank you. (laughs) I do need a security deposit. Mm Mm-hmm. Or an insecurity deposit. (laughs) A hundred fucking percent. Yeah, it's crazy. And like in watching this and in watching how he does, how he does what he does. And Mm. like also thinking about the 10 hours that I spent listening to every moment of the the life and times of Jim Jones. Oh, yes. And I I think about how they are, like they kind of get away with it because they're, they're technically doing good things. Like... Jim Jones did so much good shit, which Mm -hmm. is crazy. Mm -hmm. But it's why people trusted him, because he actually, like, he walked the walk, and then he did a lot of coke and a lot of speed, and he went insane. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that also is part of Keith Ranieri's situation. Oh, drugs? Yeah. I don't know. No one's mentioned it yet, but... um, you know, Karen Kilgariff of My Favorite Murder constantly is like, yes. And then the drugs started. Yeah, and that's yes. when people started dying. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. or being locked in rooms or whatever, whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, like, Jim Jones did a lot of good shit. And again, the stuff that they teach in Nexium is legit stuff. I mean, obviously, like, the offshoot programs, but, like, how to be a man and how to be a woman are Lift. fucked the fuck up. Yeah. But... Like the course that was everyone's entry drug mm-hmm. that ever that people like became proctors for was really I mean it was self actualization it was right. it was what you would do with a life coach right yeah for sure I know because I've taught that shit yeah <laughs> and it's really uh-huh. good for it's so good for you it's good for everyone and so like mm-hmm. that work helped thousands and thousands of people right um. Yeah, it's yeah. Just like, I mean, it it wow. basically is manipulating your own neuroplasticity in a way that when you do it right, it's thrilling and empowering, mm. and <laughs> and releases dopamine. Boop boop mm. ba doop. Your brain likes to gamble, 
And uh, yeah, nobody, nobody, uh, I think Mark says this in the Nexium thing where he's like, nobody gets, nobody joins a cult. People yeah. get in a group of people that sometimes like feels exclusive and feels special and feels power empowering or like feels challenging. And like, that's why people get into it. The LuLaRoe um, documentary was really good too. Did you watch it? Not yet. I'm really excited. Lula Rutro. Rutro. Lula Rutro. The amount of, of screen time that they actually give the Lula Row lady and her husband. I mean, it is definitely one of those things where it's like, give them enough rope and they'll hang them. Have they been arrested? Did they do? Is it uh, illegal? They've been or? sued a whole bunch specifically because of one thing that happened. Um I don't <laughs> this episode might just be about a documentaries that we like, which is also okay. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Um, so uh, 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 again, it started out good. It started out good. This lady was like making the story that she tells us she was making skirts with pretty patterns and selling them at swap meets and like out of the back of her her car. but she would buy a bolt of fabric and then when it was done, it was done. So that's where the exclusivity of the patterns uh, came from. Sure. Because that's it's what fucking Copper Union does. Big plug yes. for Copper Union. Mm-hmm. And it's manufacturing, it's manufacturing urgency, which is my favorite terminology in sales, where you are convincing somebody. You don't even have to convince them. Like, this is a limited time thing, so if you want it, you have to get it now. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, it will be gone, and you'll be scouring eBay for whatever your stupid beanie baby or whatever is. Mm-hmm. So, um, so she started out. With just, like, one or two women who were like, this is really great. And she would be like, you can, here, I will make these. You buy them for 10 bucks. You sell them for 22 And then come back when you want more. And then it turned into this whole other thing. And then, and then it grew too fast. And then they weren't able to keep up with the demand. And then they, oh. the, they, left, they left product outside in the rain and still had the nerve to ship it to <gasps> the people who were selling for them. And then they wouldn't take it back. And then um, it became it became when a pyramid scheme is a pyramid scheme. When the people who are making money are making more money off of their bonus and recruiting other people than they are after actually selling the goods. Um, So the, the people who were way up there, that's what that's the difference between a pyramid scheme and a multi level market direct sales. Um, there's still downlines. It still looks like a pyramid, but it's illegal. If it, it's, it, it only becomes illegal if you, what you're selling is people. Membership. <laughs> right. If you're doing trafficking. Right. Yeah. Memberships. Yeah. <laughs> if it's the membership and not the actual leggings, which is why stuff like Mary Kay is fine because people are actually selling and buying the product. Um, right. But Lula right. Roe. So if you so say you were in my downline and I was above you, um, anything that you sold, I would get a no, not true. It should be anything that you sell, I would get a commission of. Instead, do I have to call you was, master? Yes. <laughs> Only if you want your bonus. <laughs> um, I would encourage you to for you to buy product to sell. And I would get a commission off of the product that you bought to sell, regardless of whether or not you sold it. That makes it pyramidy, and that's what makes it pyramidy. Yes, got it. Because got it. I'm yes. So then they had to change that whole structure, but then they got somebody on camera saying, "We have to fix this so it's not a pyramid scheme." <laughs> oh shit! Oh, so it wasn't 
It wasn't ever ill intentions from nefarious people. It grew into that, it seemed. It seemed mm. that once this whole family got, like, power hungry and was, like, toasting champagne and on private jets and stuff, then they got corrupt. And also, the, the lady's mom had written some book that was kind of like dog training for your husband's kind of thing, only the other way around. You've heard, like, How to Train Your Husband. There, there are books that imply that you should employ manipulation uh-huh. in all of your relationships because it works, which sucks. Um, it but, sucks. Yeah. But they were running into, into issues where all of these housewives ha- were making more than their husbands all of a sudden, and the husbands were getting salty about it. So they had to, to pivot and make the husbands feel included. And then it was your job not only to make money, but to make your husband's uh, dick not cry. Basically. <laughs> Wait, so it also became a little creepy sister wivesy kind uh-huh. of What the It fuck? sure did. Mm. And this one um very high up in the in the chain, she was like, Everything was fine. We used to have these great conventions and everybody would be like, Yay, yay, yay. Um, and they were very motivational. And then all of a sudden on this great big stage, the guy it, the guy's wife wait. Lady, let's call her LuLaRoe. That's not her name. LuLaRoe's husband um, got up and started talking about all kinds of Mormon stuff. Uh oh. And she was like, wait a minute. What? No. What's happening? And that's when things started to really, like, he, he take a wild made fucking turn. A god. Yep. Her husband. Oh, shit. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm excited to watch this nonsense. Oh, it's so good. I would watch it over again. It was really that good. That sounds great. That's really exciting. My, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we're going to do our intended topic for today. But no, no. If you... <laughs> no. Clearly okay. we're not. My <laughs> favorite documentary that I have ever, ever seen, ever, mm. uh, is, <laughs> is, um, the Rock of Fire Explosion. Oh! It's so good! It's so good! It's and so honestly, good. I feel like the I feel like you're the first person I ever told about it because it's so fucking oh bananas. It's, it's so, so bananas. niche. Oh, it's so take niche. it away. Okay, so um it depends on where you're from and what your age is, but basically people my age from the East Coast, Chuck E. Cheese, mm-hmm. um, the animatronic band, Chuck E. Cheese and all of his bandmates uh, who, uh, you know, perform shows during when uh, during birthday parties, when you're eating pizza, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, and it used to be uh, what I've experienced in recent history is that Chuck E. Cheese's are much more much smaller and piddly than they used to be. It used to be like this big room with like multiple family sized tables and then the main stage was there and a, and a huge like five people sized animatronics would play a whole half hour 20 minute show. Right. Right. And exactly. then you would go to the arcade and spend your tokens, but that was in a totally other room. Now everything's yes. in one room and it's like one mouse in the corner being sad. Oh god, that's Wait, hang on. Hmm. Wait. Hmm. When's the last time you were at a Chuck E Cheese? Uh when my niece was, I went with my niece and nephew when they were kids, so probably ten years. 
amazing. Yeah. I don't think I've been to one since I was legit like 10. Oh. <laughs> so I, mean, I am remembering the glory. Oh, admittedly. yeah. Yeah, it was great. And weirdly, there was like a cheese maze that went underneath the stage at our Chuck E. Cheese. So it was like a crawl, a crawl through thing. That sounds terrifying. Well, it was even more terrifying if you got stuck in there when the band started because all you could hear was like banging and clanging. Yes, that's exactly right. It happened to me one time right around the same time that I was afraid of the sound of toilets flushing. I don't know why. If I was alone in a bathroom and I had to flush a toilet, I would flush it and then run. I don't know if I thought it was going to get sucked into the toilet or what. But loud noises were very upsetting to me for like second grade. And I, I got stuck under there when the band started to play. And I probably wet my pants because I did that a lot, too. You have thrown so much at me in the last 20 seconds. That was a lot. I don't even know what the fuck just happened. <laughs> there was an irresponsible maze underneath a stage full of electronic equipment that could start a fire. Sure. 100%. That children were not monitored and kept out of when said equipment started. No. And you were afraid. And there was, there was only one way in and one way out. <laughs> Dreadful. That's like the worst touch tunnel ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my fuck. Well, you know, I mean, your impetus about the toilet is not the worst thing in the world. Because technically, if you don't close a lid, that thing has a spray radius of six feet. I know. So something that I enjoy doing is shutting the lid. When, of course, there is a lid, which in public, Mm -hmm. there rarely is a motherfucking lid. Right. But sometimes. Yes. Wow, toilets. uh, I was also very afraid of of soft-seated toilets, which I... Valid. That's disgusting. Why did they ever exist? Because then at some point, the vinyl cracks... And then oh. what you're left with is a porous substance surface ew, that ew, can like ew, absorb ew. all the, and you're left with jagged edges of vinyl, of that vinyl, are sure right? To slice your hiney open, like, what? and some of them weren't just vinyl soft. Some of them were like shag carpet, right? Ew, I don't remember ew. that. I remember I... that on the top of the toilet lid, not on the seat. Have you sat on a rug toilet seat? I want to say yes. Ew. (laughs) That wouldn't shock me at all. (laughs) Okay. So Chuck E. Cheese. I haven't been there since I was 10. It used to be, it used to be built around this show. Um, There was a, but Chuck E. Cheese developed from a location that was mostly in the middle and south of the country, I think, called Showbiz Pizza. And Showbiz Pizza existed, I think, maybe even into, like, the mid-90s in certain places that I did not live. Showbiz Pizza was the blueprint for Chuck E. Cheese. Yes. And they even had very similar jingles. Because it was like, Chuck E. Cheese is where a kid can be a kid. And then Showbiz Mm -hmm. Pizza was like, Showbiz Pizza... We're something, something, something. (laughs) Right. I remember the first time I saw an ad for Showbiz, I was like, what? 
that looks like a rip off of Chuck E. Cheese, but then it's I, and way I around. I think it's because yeah, exactly. I think it's because the company that made Chuck E. Cheese was buying Showbiz Pizzas, and oh, so they okay. bought they bought the animatronics and they bought the whole layout of Showbiz Pizza. Showbiz was mm, like the mm-hmm. beta version, but it was very successful. And so their well, band. I don't know if you. Sorry, you froze up for me for a second. My internet connection is apparently unstable. Ooh. Should have put down an insecurity deposit. <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, showbiz Pizza was the bones of Chuck E. Cheese, and I forget exactly how the handoff went. But Showbiz Pizza was created around this man who was inventing, basically, animatronics. Like, animatronics at the time of... Showbiz Pizza was not nearly what it is now. Mm-hmm. And this dude was like the inceptor of all of it. And his mm. dream was to make these characters who were like really lovable. And he programmed all of them and he pro and he designed uh physically all of them. So basically it was giant robots with a whole like with a karaoke list of songs, mm-hmm. essentially, that was what Chuck E. Cheese bought. So they didn't buy the actual characters. Um, oh, because see. if they, the characters have remained this dude's IP, the guy who created them. And uh, it's why everyone in Chuck E. Cheese looks a little bit. Hmm. Because some of them have different skins, but some of them have like the same skins, and then they have kind of just been like altered a bit okay. from Showbiz Pizza. And um the band at Showbiz Pizza was called the Rock of Fire Explosion. And the lead singer is a bear that looks like he's from the fucking Jamboree. At Disney World. The Country Bear Jamboree, yeah, Country Bear Jamboree. Like, in to the point where I'm like, is this stolen Disney IP? It might have just been the same person who, like, oh. made it. They might yeah, have worked right. with somebody who made those things. Oh, yeah. He definitely looks like it. Like, which is why I'm always, there's always a little bit of a cognitive fuck yes. up in my I brain. Get, I get that. So the lead performer is this country bear jamboree bear. There's a there and the drummer is a gorilla. <laughs> and there's also like a beach bum bear who's like a surfer who I think plays the bass and there's a girl mouse on keys. Right. Is, is she the mouse? She's something, but she ends up becoming like the cheerleader one. Yes. Uh, at Chuck E. Cheese. It's so creepy. It's so creepy and wild just to see all of that. And also like it's his art, so I get it. But to see how deeply invested this programmer, this creator is in these characters and in like what they would do because they he also programmed in patter like it wasn't just Mm -hmm. the songs it was also like little scenes that they would do Mm -hmm. so fucking wild and but the best saddest part of it is that there are people there are grown-ass adults out there like you and I who are so obsessed and not in a fun nerdy way in like a this that 
I, I feel connection to these robots uh-huh. <laughs> who buy them and collect them and have like a whole garage full of rock fire explosion who they can they have invite neighborhood children over. oh my god <sighs> look oh, i'm not here to tell anyone that their mentioned. yum is yucky i'm just here to say that the thought of that the thought of feeling so, almost like people who uh who have who have have like uh i don't know what's the polite term for a sex doll is there a polite term for a sex what? doll <laughs> no it's just a sex like, doll i mean like the, lars the and real the real dolls? girl yeah like like the way that some people get about right. their real doll in a very emotional way which again Tools are tools, but the fact mm-hmm. that someone feels about a bunch of robots from the early 80s, uh, the way that they might feel about a best friend is, uh, I feel so judgy right now. I don't know. It's amazing. It's an amazing documentary. <laughs> There's a pot for every lid. There is a pot for every lid. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's fucking incredible. It's just, it's really good. Um... And and strange and nostalgic and like and weird and mm. deeply uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it's it's so good. So the first documentary that I ever saw about those real dolls was definitely called Guys and Dolls. Um, what? looks like it looks like that came out in two thousand nine. Um, there have since then been um living dolls uh but that might just be about dolls in general and then all dolled up on amazon when i googled this um how does a documentary about sex dolls only get two stars (laughs) (laughs) that's great unavailable to stream um uh, yeah, but that guys and dolls documentary is is very fascinating, and it is something like I don't know for there any documentary about fringe stuff. Everybody goes in to be like, "Oh my god, what?" But then you're like, "Well, that's kind of sweet." Like you, 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 you. This is. The universe meeting you where you're at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. There is a pot for every lid. And of course, like the, the heart and soul of a documentary is always how much the people who are into this exact niche are profoundly emotionally affected right. by access to that niche. Yep. So, so like I, I can definitely recommend that documentary. Um, that's I also amazing. watched... Hmm. Well, I feel like I've talked about this one before, but the ferret documentary, Ferrets a Pursuit of Excellence. I'm You've certain. never you were supposed to dollop me on this and you never have. Oh, seriously? If you wish, you could spend the rest of this episode dolloping me on Oh my ferrets. god. Okay. Cuz so uh <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it's available on YouTube, but this this documentary came across my path the same time as the Trekkies documentary did. Which is so about what, Star what Trek. Now? Trekkies? Oh, Trekkies. Trekkies. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, great. Um, 
And again, I will say I don't feel like the person who was behind the Trekkies documentary approached it. That one felt a little bit like, haha, look at these nerds. As opposed to, you know, from like an outside in versus inside uh-huh. out. Definitely. There's a there's an outsider's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, still a great watch. Um, and there's a Trekkies too, which I, th- I think was just as good. But the ferrets, the pursuit of excellence is about people who breed ferrets for ferret competitions. Who knew? Um, ferrets you don't did. have to be purebred. <laughs> They don't have to be have all they have to do is look nice and behave well. That's literally like they have to have whatever the requisite teeth, tail, coat situation is just like with a cat show. But nobody's worried about the pedigree of your friggin' ferret. Right. Like if we applied that to dogs, then bear would be an all star champion. So they don't they just have to look nice. So there's this lady who basically says that her her secret is like using tinted shampoo and conditioner back when that John Frieda stuff first came out with like the blonde shampoo. Yes. Yeah. That's like her her secret to getting her white ferrets so bright. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and there's a lady who sings a song about them. And there's like ferrets don't live very long. So this one lady has, like, basically a filing cabinet of cremains of all of her ferrets that have died. I I want you and Don to sing God Loves a Terrier from Best in Show. Oh. <laughs> you know, we were working on Kiss at the End of the Rainbow, so that fits in nicely with that theme. I love that song so much. <laughs> Um, the harmony on God Loves the Terrier is actually very complicated. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, so it's like a, the human voice version of a harpsichord. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, we're talking about songs from various Christopher Guest um, mockumentaries. Uh, 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 the, the fair. So I don't know. There's a moment where this lady gets bit on the face by somebody oh else's. God. And she's, like, bleeding, but she's also like, no, no, it's not the animal's fault. I should know better than to put someone else's pet so close to my face. Not no. (laughs) Not no. Not no. I have to fucking tell you. Mm. I'm just interjecting with dog stories. Because I think you like them. So, uh, dogs sneeze playfully. I'm going to tell you from experience, terrible experience, that a rabbit sneeze means your rabbit is like two days away from dying. Oh, no. A rabbit sneeze is the, you think it's fucking cute. Oh, that which is unfortunate because I told you you had little bunny sneezes, which you did. I'm very oh, glad no. you're still alive. Um, but I'm if a rabbit sneezes, if a rabbit sneezes, it's like, oh, fuck, this rabbit has pneumonia. Oh, no. And it will go very quickly. A dog will sneeze all the time, and it's sure. because it's happy. <laughs> or it just got a giant snoot full of dust. But mm. like, but like when bear sneezes, it is a sign of playfulness. And so, if I get like really cuddly and really close with him, and he and he's like smiling and he's playful, mm-hmm. um, 
sometimes I can elicit a sneeze and I and like I can look in his body and see that he's preparing to sneeze in his little bear way. So one morning I was cuddling with him and I was like, no sneezing. You're not going to sneeze. And I was like, I'm not I'm I'm not opening my mouth so you can sneeze into it. And I continued a conversation and opened my mouth once, at which point he chose the perfect moment to sneeze directly into my mouth. Wow. <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> Bitch, he waited for me. Of course he, he did. He waited for me because I, we were in like a fucking, we were in a standoff. Oh, I was God. staring at him and I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> And then I was like, I'll take a cup of sneeze. Oh, <laughs> like, I mean, it was. And then he looked so proud of himself. Oh, my God. He was so proud of himself. That's wonderful and disgusting. So wonderful. So gross. I can't even be mad because it was so intentional. He's like, I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. He did it. (laughs) He did it. He sure did. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Um, Oh, have you you ever watched The King of Kong? No. What that? Uh, It is about a Donkey Kong competition. It's a it's about the people who were the best in the world at Donkey Kong at, in like possibly the eighties. Nice. Uh, uh, in oh, it came out in two thousand and seven. Oh, Billy Mitchell sets a record score on Donkey Kong that many felt would never be broken in ninety nine, and then in two thousand and three. So no, it's recent. In two thousand and three, somebody else sets out to break the record. Um, that is very good. Um, I love, I literally just, because I can never remember the names of anything. So I just looked up 100 best documentaries. Um, I also really, oh, Paris is Burning, obviously. So good. Uh, is amazing. Um, uh, Crip Camp is fantastic. Oh, Crip Camp. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but um, it was at Sundance while I was there and people were freaking the fuck out about it mcmillions yeah. is oh, wild mcmillions we actually couldn't finish it because it was just too much it's so much it, it was, was that's a heavy-handed and also like i don't know there was something about because i used to love getting those little monopoly pieces when i was a kid I used to get so excited and like I feel personally ripped off by these assholes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to go to McDonald's that much. So I was like, man, mm. I'm never going to win Monopoly. And now I'm glad I didn't try to because. Yep. Cause holy that fuck. Won't, that won't going to happen for you. That was although. Oh, my God. The uh, the mobster's wife. The whole oh. time I was watching that. Oh, my God. In Long Island. I just was like. Th- this she's this exquisite. Is everything that all Lillian her, and I oh god ever talk about all constantly red. lighting up oh yeah yeah chain smoking all in red her all of her beautiful furniture oh, oh my, my god. god 
Oh my god, it's it was a lot. And then mm-hmm. the first cop that you're well, not a cop, the first uh, investigator, detective, whatever, the FBI dude that you're oh. introduced to. Oh my god, just he's so jolly. He's so jolly. You know who he is? Huh? He's he's the guy in the government who always really actually wanted to be an actor. Oh. Yes, 100%. He was so excited. He was so excited. He's so game. Like, he looks like he might coach Little League or something like that. He's so hype. Absolutely. You know I mean? As the kids say. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, McMillions is a documentary series on uh, HBO Max that is about a giant scheme between... Basically, two major players that allowed you to buy your way into winning a McDonald's Monopoly. And I don't know if it was all the winners, but definitely the majority of the people who ever won a million dollars were uh, gamed into winning and it was something yeah. that honestly never ever would have actually been detected like the, the way that they were able to go through this was um, it, it was so sneaky and oh, it, it was 100% hubris that brought them down it was insane yeah for sure for sure and like the worst uh, the most heart wrenching part of it is that you learn that the way these people so like it really was a deal with the devil oh, because yeah. it seemed like you were it seemed like you were buying um buying a million dollars as a favor but what you were really signing on for was to giving all of that money away and being in um a a like ethical a yeah handcuffs yeah yeah it was culty it was fucking collateral yeah uh-huh <laughs> Yeah, absolutely intense. It is all about the most batshit people in both Long Island and Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's good and wild and intense. And uh, that was that was excellent. Mm. Um, I want to say in terms of like disturbing documentaries, there is one called The Nightmare that's specifically about night terrors and Hmm. night paralysis oh no oh god the fact that people have such shared experiences of what that is that's so terrifying to me (laughs) and like i think of that scary story that you and i read you know the one I'm talking about that i try and forget every day um i won't I, I won't bring it up, but but the fact that this experience by people is so universal in the way that it happens is fucking terrifying. And mm-hmm. I really wish I had never watched that. So there it is as a recommendation. Great. For you. Thank you. I shall not watch that. <laughs> I don't. won't. No, really, truly don't. I mean, it's it's good, but yeah, don't. Mm. Um, um, did I tell you about Murder Among the Mormons? No, that's a Netflix series, and it—I don't even want to tell you anything about it because it's so bonkers. Like the twists and turns, it is. Um, but uh, it has to do with like um, church documents, 
and people researching and like stuff that they they found these these specific papers that changes the way like the whole narrative of how Mormonism came into blue. Oh my god. It's so good and it's very well done. It's very well shot. Nice. I watched about half of Wild Wild Country, which is about the uh, Rajneeshis. Rajneeshis out in Oregon? It was either Oregon or Washington State. Uh, which turned out to be a death cult or an attempted death cult. I mean, it started out as a sex cult. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. I just can't remember if anyone ended up dying. Actually dying. The Rajneesh- The story of the Rajneeshis is fucking bonkers yeah uh wild wild countries on netflix i also so i'm obsessed with uh what fire festival was so much so that i wrote a pilot that is kind of off of that that is inspired by the 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 tiny keith ranieri basically who began uh who began um fire fest this kid, first of all, is from Jersey, of course, comes from a ton of privilege, comes from some, you know, uh, bougie town here, um, and and basically, like, he started, he started his scamming um, by creating a card, by creating, like, a credit card that <laughs> could get you really exclusive access to benefits that he would then provide. Right. Yeah. So like Which, a, cl- a club, mm. uh, like a, a lounge area that only you and other people with this credit card in, in New York, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, I had never heard of Soho House until someone was like, oh, it's kind of like Soho House. And I was like, yes. oh, there's all kinds of secret rich people bullshit that I don't know about. <laughs> so much. So much. Yeah. So he went from doing that, which I think started a little successfully and quickly got out of control. And then mm-hmm. he ended up grifting and then went on to do Firefest. There are two documentaries on it. I want to say one's on Netflix and one's on Hulu. I mm-hmm. think the Hulu one is superior. I love it so much. They're both um, great watches. They're both though. great, though. And it's, and it's fun great. to look at both of them and go, oh, what an interesting. Because <laughs> uh-huh. one of them really focuses on Fuck Jerry, the um, the marketing team, right? Yes, right, right. One of them is sort of from the inside out view, mm-hmm. the employees, and I want to say that's the Netflix one. And the other one focuses on the attendees right. and like how they were grifted and exactly how it all rolled out um, as opposed to working for Billy. Billy McFarlane. Billy McFarlane, yeah. Um, they're fascinating. I think this guy, you know, it's again – these megalomaniac white dudes who are, yes, legitimately very smart, but also just think they're better than everyone and can take advantage of anyone they want in Uh whatever way. And they just reinvent scam after scam after scam. Uh Uh-huh. It's bananas. (gasps) Oh, 
I completely forgot that I watched the Amanda Knox one on Netflix. Have you seen that? Uh Uh-uh, no. It comes up for me as a suggestion all the time. It's really good. What is it? Um, It's about a girl who's overseas, I want to say, oh, she's in Italy. She's in Italy, and she's like, I don't remember why she's there, but maybe she's doing a study abroad thing, or she's there visiting with a girlfriend. Like, there, she's she's being a young tourist, like you know, doing your gap year backpacking or whatever. Um, so she's staying in this little village in Italy. She meets a guy, like immediately falls madly in love with him, and then someone murders her friend. And she gets fully blamed for it. And the Italian um, police are m- completely merciless. And again, this is dep- it's the storytelling. Oh, it depends on whose whose side you believe, etc. Um, but yeah, it took her forever to get moderately cleared of any of it and completely oh, no. ruined her life. And, you know. And oh, or shit. she's a murderer who got away with it. So, like, we don't know. Um, right. But that one is super fascinating. Um, That's like that show Locked Up Abroad. Oh, no. I cannot. That's – I I watched some movie about drug mules at one point, and I, I became terrified slash obsessed with accidentally getting thrown in jail in another country. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. <laughs> um, Netflix also has a documentary called I Am Divine, which is all about the fabulous drag and so much more performer Divine. Oh, the one about Elaine Stritch is also uh, oh, so at Liberty. Good and- yes. 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 It's so good. Oh god, she's so amazing. Yes. She's just uh she's incredible. I think I watched that after she had passed away and it was mm-hmm. just this glorious, sad, heartbreaking, beautiful view uh-huh. of her and her life. It was amazing. Um, there's a Betty White documentary on Netflix that I didn't know about, and I cannot really? wait to watch it. See, also, and I haven't watched The Life and Death of Marsha P. Johnson yet, but it's in my watch list. Ooh, I have not watched that either. I actually have I... a friend who, uh, who knew her. Um, really? My friend Don- Donald Gallagher who some people refer to him as the Wizard of Jersey City. He is, um, I, you know, when you talk, they, you hear people talk about queer elders, like he has seen it all. He's happy to talk about any and all of it. He was at Stonewall the night the riots broke out. Um, like he, the stuff that he, he's helped organize huge like anti um, Vietnam protest, just like an an amazing older man. He's part of the um, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Have you heard about this group? I actually don't no. know what their whole deal is, but um, I think it's kind of like a, a gay service group, and they wear these crazy like wedge shaped hats. Um, I just his poetry is amazing. His art is amazing. Oh, I feel like we talked about Don't Fuck With Cats at some point, right? You told me about Don't Fuck With Cats. I didn't watch it, but I did accidentally see it over someone's shoulder on a plane. Oh, 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 no. I, uh uh-huh. I knew the, I, I, I knew 
most things about it at that point. Uh Uh-huh. I don't remember how much of it you're able to see. Like, do they ever show you the visuals? They show not... mm, They show the cats being scared as something bad is about to happen to them. And that was enough for me. That's plenty. That's plenty. So Don't Fuck With Cats is... um, Violent. It's violent. It's socio fucking pathic. It's psychopathic. It's. Was he in Russia? I think so, yeah. It's this young Russian man who's like late teens, early 20s, who uh, who tortures and kills cats. On, and puts it on the internet. And puts it on the internet. Um, in, in. Not that anyway would be unheinous but in particularly heinous awful awful totally monstrous ways and he puts them on the internet and the the only reason there's a documentary about it is because enough people on the internet were mad and angry and good good murderinos and sleuths that the same way that people like Michelle McNamara have been able to do things like, I don't know, find the fucking gardens, uh, garden state shit, (laughs) the golden state killer (laughs) I'm sure there's also a Garden State killer. (laughs) There definitely is, for sure. Um, uh, These these internet sleuths were able to piece together a whole bunch of digital evidence to catch this motherfucker. And it's a wild and crazy story, but the whole thing that it it revolves around is this absolute um, fucking shit stain of a human being who uh who does really 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 terrible things that once upon a time you could just find on the internet oh yeah oh yeah that was like with the whole faces of death stuff like you might just accidentally or or even around the time when people would email each other things no i know exactly what you're talking about and it's like the time delay until you see like fucking reagan from the exorcist or something yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not, yes, that's not what I mean, though. Um, I remember one of my friends, friends, question mark? Are you really someone's friend if you send them a pit? So it was uh, a video of a circus, and what the guy was trying to do was run and jump on a on a trampoline and then land on the back of the elephant or a horse. Uh, Either an elephant or a horse. It doesn't matter. What happens is he jumps and trips and his head somehow goes entirely into the asshole of the animal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but someone is absolutely your friend. <laughs> and that was like the first attachment I ever opened. Entirely. <laughs> that person is email. a ride or die friend. You only send your friends a video of someone propelling themselves <laughs> at first into an elephant's ass. That I feel like was contemporary with the the video of the monkey scratching its butt, smelling its finger, and falling out of the tree. <laughs> You've never seen that? Oh no. man! No, no, I. Do I not. will send that to you. No, what I'm remembering are email attachments I or, or like a link that someone would send you in AIM. So it was like, I don't know, 2000 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was one, <laughs> there was one that, um, that was sent and it was like, 
And it was a little video, and it was like, or maybe you you didn't think it was a video. Oops, sorry, I accidentally started the video of the monkey. <laughs> That's some flash right there. That's some geriatric flash. Jesus. Um, there was one that I remember one of my closest friends, Kelly, sent me that was like, and it would freeze on a screen, and you didn't know it was a motherfucking video. It would mm-hmm. freeze on a screen that was like, did you know there's a tiny camera in your computer? And if you look really close at the screen, it will reveal itself or whatever. So I'm like, okay. So I get real close to the screen. Oh and then God. all of a sudden, something terrifying happens. What a lot of them would do is they would immediately cut to Reagan full exorcist, you know, like big with like a screech noise yeah with a screech noise or one of them one of them that made me like fly out the fucking window um somehow like sped up sped up uh uh like a like a creepy moving thing from the Mm -hmm. background to the foreground and then like a i do not like that Nope, we do not enjoy that. So you'd get really close and you'd wait for like whatever to happen and then it would happen. And then I was like, I'm not talking to you for two weeks. Nope, that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Um, yeah, that's the kind of shit that I remember. But uh, <laughs> yeah, things on the Internet just used to fucking happen to you. You never knew what was in your goddamn email. Oh, yes. <laughs> What yes, a weird exactly. episode. This is great. This is great. Um, oh, I also want to mention um, The Keepers on Netflix. I have never watched this, and I honestly uh, need you to pitch it to me legitimately. Because I okay. feel like the Netflix blurb for it is not a good sell. I know that mm. Karen and Georgia fucking loved it. So, yeah. So, I, hit me. I mean, if you enjoy um, stories of, like, f- fucked up corrupt priests getting brought down, <laughs> like... Not no. Not no. Um, but it also is the story of, like, students and other people who really loved this beautiful nun who was getting too close to uncovering sexual abuse in her church and was suddenly dead. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. And uh most of the documentary from what I remember is um uh um bu- bu- bum, the, like interviews with the students and the women who were, were trying to find justice for this. So it, it like the amount of beautiful female friendship in it is so powerful and chilling. Um and just the way everybody talks about this nun was that she was like a beautiful sweet badass. So if nothing else, like hearing her story and hearing people talk about her. But it is like a seven or eight. It's a seven episode doodah. So if that's not where you're at, that is it that is tends kind of a, to be where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched a bunch of the tent pole true crime bits like I have not watched Making a Murderer. I mm. I did watch whatever the docuseries was on OJ that came out about... Oh, I did not see that. I did watch that not too... Did I watch... Wait a second. Mm, am I lying? I <gasps> definitely watched the Ryan Murphy OJ series where Ooh. it's just... Uh, What's-his-face? Oh, I've heard Ro- that's amazing. 
it's so good. Oh my god. It's so good and it absolutely ends you know, I I mean, it's just something that I never knew as a child and certainly never knew as a child in a very white f- rural area in New Jersey. But like he absolutely murdered her. He absolutely oh, got away with it. Yep. But the fact that. And the, then he wrote a book about it. And then he wrote a fucking book about it. But the fact uh, he not just her, he he murdered her and Ron. He, he mm-hmm. was a double homicide killer. Um yep. But the fact that the LAPD had been so egregiously racist and everything with, um, who am I thinking of? The riots. Uh, And everything with Rodney Rodney King King. had just happened. Right. And the LAPD went in with that same racist, again, not incorrect, he's absolutely a murderer. However. (laughs) Right. Um. And Let's, and then you right. got a jury that had a significant black presence and they just were looking for the racial justice from a cop on this case who was absolutely white supremacist and deeply, deeply racist. And How you know what? interesting. I don't think that I knew all of these elements and now I definitely want to see. I feel like there were two big OJ things that came out around the same time. The one was American Crime Story, which has David Schwimmer and Cuba Gooding Jr. And David Schwimmer is ridiculous and yes, very I've funny heard that's great. as Robert yes. Kardashian. Um, and all he does is emotionally scream, juice, juice. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's so good. What's it called again? It's so good. American Crime that Story? that was the first American Crime Story. I think that was the first one. I've also heard really good things about the murder of uh, Versace. Oh, that. Uh, wait, no. Did I see that one? No. No, I've heard good things about that. Uh, I just, I've if you're really wondering what I thought I was talking about just now, I was thinking of <laughs> the movie about Liberace with, My- <gasps> with Michael. With Michael yes. Douglas. And then, uh, and then, what's his face? Yes. Matt Damon. Yes, so good behind the candelabra. Yes, that's right. So um, good. So I also want to so see good. the impeachment one with Beanie Feldstein playing uh, Monica Lewinsky and Sarah Paulson back, playing girl. a person in a fat suit. Um, <laughs> um, I just found on Netflix mm-hmm. a seventeen-minute documentary. Uh, called the Claudia Kishi Club about Asian American creatives paying passionate tribute to the iconic stereotype busting babysitters club character. Oh my god. Even I wanted to be Claudia. I if I were Claudia. of Asian descent, I would have felt so incredibly seen by that. I loved character. it. And I loved how like they talk about her grandmother having had a stroke, but she's so respectful about the whole thing. Like, ugh. By the way, here's my, I mean, all this is is recommendations, mm. but I cannot recommend enough the new Babysitter's Club on Netflix, which premiered oh. last summer. I don't know if they've done a season two. It's so huh. great. 
First of all, grown-ups like you and I will love it and still feel like these are our characters. It's grown so well with time. You've got kids in there who are queer, who are non-binary. You've got, um, uh, like, uh, Marianne's character is... Oh, they're so um, cute! Is God mixed. damn it, it started again. I just wanted to add it to my they're cue! So they're so Aww. cute. It's really, really, really sweet and lovely and so feel good. It's great for your kids. It's also great for you just as grownups who need like something pure and wonderful and glorious. Um, I oh, and Alicia Silverstone plays Cur- Christie's mom. Oh, my God. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah, she plays a mom. Um, who else is in there who's surprising? I can't remember right off the top of my head, but like all of the kids have uh parents whom we would recognize. Nice. The kids are all so good. I love it oh, so cute. much. I will definitely check it out. Oh, there's also unrelated to uh because now we're just talking about TV. Um, but <laughs> the new season of Sex Education is out, and I can't wait. Oh, I Ooh, never watched. You that would show. love it. Yes, I did start watching that show, Never Have I Ever, although I was disappointed. Oh, and this is this is also a very good little seg here. I was very disappointed to see that they include a fat male character who ends up very much being like, I'm flailing and fat and the punchline of every joke and my own. Yeah, um, so that's as ever motherfucking disappointing uh which makes me not want to continue watching this otherwise really yeah. great show about this indian girl and her experience Ugh. and just being like nerdy and and having all the fucks like can't you just not be awful right. to anyone i feel like <laughs> no somebody has to be thrown in the bus i feel like i watched the first season of it. is it the second season that gets weird with the mm, with the fat kid might be i i don't two. remember yeah, I don't know. Um, I think he codes as queer if he if it's mm-hmm. not overt. Um, I've only I've only seen tweets okay. about it, <laughs> so I cannot <laughs> say first person. But these are the things that keep me from watching television, I and I have to draw the I have to draw the perfect line. Oh my god, I can't tell you. Well, yes, I can because you and I <laughs> dish about it. How much? I adore Nine Perfect Strangers. And when we've talked about it, like we've... So good. We did mention in the past that it's amazing that Melissa McCarthy is EPing this project and also is cast as Frances. I've never read the book. I don't know if Frances is overtly supposed to be a fat woman, but um, she... Melissa McCarthy gets to play a fucking Mm -hmm. bamf. And not just a bamf, like the successful woman with a love story and... Um, I think that's incredibly empowering. Not only that, you have Glory, this recurring character who is non-binary uh, or genderqueer or however they, how, yeah. however they, they see I themselves think that they the call world. Glory she and her, but definitely gender non-conforming. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So there, like, there's Glory, and again, uh, the plot has nothing to do with Glory's nope. orientation. They don't mention or it identity. at all. She's. She's they Australian. don't mention it at all. 
and it's the same. Yes, and it's the same thing for Francis, Melissa McCarthy's character. At no point does she ever talk about the size of her body. I don't think. No, I don't think so. There might be one moment where she like acknowledges it because it's like in conversation, but the plot, her plot, has nothing to do with her being a right. sad fat woman. She is a sad woman who gets yes. scammed, who gets catfished, but it's not because right. she's fat. Um, and and then there is a character um, coding as queer, this young man who plays, a, you know, a, a deceased family member whom this whole family is like looking mm-hmm. to connect with, his spirit. And then he shows up and he's fat and it has nothing to nope, do with or who why, he is. Or why he killed himself. He, <laughs> or why he killed himself. Exactly. None of these things have to do with these people's bodies. And the same, I think, applies in terms of the of the racial makeup mm-hmm. of the group. Um, I think it's yeah. glorious. It's such a great example of what I think we should be doing, which is like just fucking cast interesting people and also make it you know, uh, make that mm-hmm. intentional. Um, one thing, my my mom and I were watching the finale yesterday, and and there are lots of scenes where Melissa McCarthy and Bobby Cannavale are in this pool uh, together, bonding. Um, and Bobby Cannavale, and they shot this in Australia. Bobby Cannavale is in the pool, splayed out on a big floaty, and like you know, he's Italian. He's swarthy Mm -hmm. and my mom recoils and she's like i can't even watch him in the sun like that oh and i said to her mom you know how you know how melissa mccarthy wears like a scuba suit in the pool and she's like yeah and i'm like i don't think it's got anything to do with her size i think it's because she's pale pale and irish and shooting for several hours in a pool in mm-hmm. Australia. I think that's her like mindfully, but I don't think it has anything to do with with anything aside from the fact that she's like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna, right. Yeah, I'm I not think you're absolutely right. Skin do you know what I noticed about Bobby Cannavale <laughs> in one of those shots? How incredibly exfoliated his feet were. There was a shot Ooh. that was specifically like from his toes on up. And I'm obsessed with him anyway. Like just... And then I was like, what's oh, not to be obsessed grrr. with? Yes. Yes. And I got to tell you, once at um, once at Telsey, I was in an elevator mm. with him and I was just like, oh, oh my God. People around I me would be you. like, I'm sorry, did someone's water break? What happened? <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, what a great um, episode. Please. <laughs> Keep your ear to the ground for treading the dreading the boards. Dreading. Oh no! The is this going to be like how people don't say soon. Cabaret Sauvignon, right? <laughs> no. Dreading. No. Dreading no. the boards. Es- dreading the boards, parti- because God, we know you mm-hmm. have stories. We we got stories too. We know you have them. We can't wait to hear them. Yeah, we need to set up um, that Google phone please, number. Please, please keep your eyes peeled. Google phone I mean, number. Uh, also, if you if you hear this immediately and you want to send us a something, dreading the boards at Gmail. Yes. Um, 
dreading the boards at Gmail or DM either please of keep us. Whatever. The, if you can record a voice memo, please keep it under two minutes. Um, and again, if you have more that you want to talk about, just let us know that you'd be interested in coming on the show. That's it. That's it. That actually felt really good because Yay. I feel like I, um, I don't know. I love documentaries. I, I have long meant to like make a list of ones that I have watched and that this felt very much like cataloging that. Also for friends of the podcast who follow me with burlesque stuff and who know Bo Britches, who is an amazing person and a wonderful friend. Bo Bridges, um, you guys we have miss you. We do. And you guys have heard Victor Devon because we have had him on the podcast in the past. Um, if you if you want to hear those two having a great kiki, um, we burlesque the podcast, and that's short for White Elephant Burlesque, but it is W E B Burlesque. The podcast, Concise. and you can find it wherever you find podcasts. Um, uh, recent episode with Bo Bridges is really lovely. Yay! Oh, good plug. We love them both. Wee wee wee. Wee wee wee. All right. Bye, Great. fuck buddies. It's been real. Go watch some TV. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Uh, solace. It's the boob tube. <laughs> That's better. Sometimes you just gotta boop it. Just gotta Trump do it. a little. The trumpet. The trumpet. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> God, I'll never not know that. <laughs> <laughs> We will never live in a world where we don't know Mambo number five. No. We will not.